Welcome to MedEvidence, where we help you navigate the truth behind medical research with unbiased, evidence-proven facts, powered by Encore Research Group and hosted by cardiologist and top medical researcher, Dr. Michael Corrin. Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Corrin, and I'm delighted to lead another episode of MedEvidence. And today, I had the great pleasure of talking to Dr. Dennis Leahy, who is a colleague and uh, actually not only an interventional cardiologist, but an interventional cardiologist that has dealt with the problem of lipoprotein little a. In our previous discussions, we talked about his history, and now we're leading to the part of his history where he had to decide about what treatment modalities to pursue. And fortunately, uh, he made contact with Dr. Sam Samikas, who's considered an expert in this field and somebody who's been very active in therapies that are targeted against lipoprotein little a. So, Dennis, I'll let you pick up the story from there. So I think you, you said you met Sam in 2017. Right. And, uh, is that correct? So yeah, part of the part of the good fortune in my story, I guess the bad fortune is I have this problem, but the good fortune is I've had access to world-class healthcare and it's really gotten me through all this. Um, so I met with Sam and he was starting. Uh, but, well, I'm just going to interrupt you for a second, just to make sure we update the audience. Um, so uh, Dennis had coronary artery bypass surgery after a number of stents were placed and then a few years later, he needed a carotid endarterectomy to repair a blockage in his left carotid artery that caused a little mini stroke. So he certainly had many, many complications of lipoprotein lillet, despite having no other cardiovascular risk factors, being a very active person and taking statin therapy. So take so it from Sam there, Sam was um, working with Ionis Pharmaceuticals, where they had developed this uh, ASO or antisense oligonucleotide treatment for LP Lillet, which is a, a is a gene slowing approach to try to suppress LP Lillet production. Uh, they'd had one successful right. phase two trial, and they were starting another one. And this is right about the time I just happened to consult with Sam, and he offered the entry to the trial to me. And it sounded like a great option because unlike other trials where it's frequently a 50-50 chance of getting active treatment, this was a dosing trial. So I had a five out of six chance of actually being on an active drug. So I was in that in that study for one year uh, with, as you know, successful and impressive suppression of LP delay production. Um, with a, uh, I, I think I was on a uh, once every two week injection, subcutaneous injection, uh, very simple procedure, which has been shown to be quite safe with uh, minimal side effects. And this is the uh, the molecule that we call pelicarsin right. now. Is that correct? Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, antisense oligonucleotide that actually prevents the the production of the protein that is essential for the assembly of lipoprotein LA in the nucleus of the, the hepatocytes. Excuse me, uh, right outside the nucleus of the, of the hepatocytes. So um, that's a fascinating technology and really, really exciting. And um, so exciting that, as I understand it, Novartis right. uh, bought Novartis, the product. Novartis, of course, is in hopefully towards the end of a trial, major, major trial that will be a really, uh, you know, really a landmark uh, kind of pivotal trial of whether whether these things are going to result in lower incidence of cardiovascular events by suppressing LP delay production. Yeah, and we're participating in that trial as we speak. Um, it, it's fully enrolled, as I understand it, and uh, but here in Florida, we're very excited about the possibilities, and it looks like that product could be the first in class to actually treat the real underlying issue yeah. of lipoprotein LA. But 
But but uh, yeah, keep on going with your story. So you, you did well in the trial. Do, do you remember how yeah, it actually numbers, affected you your know, numbers? Yeah, my numbers. You know, I had a seventy, eighty percent uh, suppression of LP to lay levels. You know, my baseline levels are Sweet. usually one hundred twenty to one hundred thirty. Uh, and they came down to, you know, 50, 40, uh, very close to the upper limits of normal. Um, and it was, you know, just nothing for me to do. It was really simple. Uh, again, I bring that up because, uh, in contrast to apheresis, which is what I've been doing for the past three years, it's, it's uh, quite a different approach. Um, so it went well. Interesting. So you, you didn't have any, uh, injection reaction no. things or, uh, any of the concerns of using no, these type of no technologies? Okay, so then you went to apheresis. So for everybody out there, that's kind of like a dialysis type therapy where you have to have your blood filtered, basically. So why don't you tell us how you ended up? Yeah, so uh, just to, to uh, get back to the timeline. So I was in the trial from uh, for most of 2017, part of 2018, and then stopped it and just was on statins and aspirin. And then in 2020, surfing, had an episode of chest pain. Uh, my graphs now are, you know, oh uh, 12 years old, which is, you know, you, you might expect, mm. uh, I mean, you're just waiting for that moment. Um, and um, had a stress test, which was pretty unremarkable. There was a very, very minor uh, area of hypoperfusion in the right coronary distribution. So I had an angiogram and um, again, credit to my, uh, my friend, my former climbing partner and serving partner, who is my cardiac surgeon, the graphs looked fantastic, um, and there was a focal yeah. lesion in my right coronary artery that would lend itself to stenting, you know, 100% of the time. Now, you know, my history with stents was miserable. Uh, I was very, very concerned about, you know, going down that pathway again. Um, and so Sam and I met and talked and thought, well, at least uh, – uh, around the time I'm going to have the stent placed, I want to be on apheresis. I want my LP to lay level as low as possible because I'm virtually certain that was what was the cause of my restenosis problem. I, I'd never seen anybody mm-hmm. restenose stents like I had, uh, and I think it was all LP to lay mediated. So that's when I went on apheresis, which I've been doing now for three years. Nice. And, um, Tell us a little bit more about that. How often do you get it? Um, is it a hassle? Yeah. Um, what, what are your um, numbers? Well, to answer the second question first, it, it is a hassle. Uh, it's it's a pretty big undertaking. Uh, it's it's as you mentioned earlier, it's a way of basically filtering the lipoproteins out of your blood, the um, uh, low density ones particularly. And uh, but uh, because this problem is genetically mediated, uh, your body knows how much LP little it wants to produce, and it keeps producing it. So. Uh, when you go to your to your LP delay <laughs> treatment, uh, your LP delay level at uh, nine in the morning is 130, and when you finish somewhere between three or four hours after um, the treatment, uh, that's how long the treatment lasts. Then your LP delay is down to 30. Two weeks later, it's back to 120. Mm-hmm. So it's it's you know it's it's a mm-hmm. process that's been as you know it's been around for a long time, particularly in Germany, where most of the research was done. Uh, and the, the thing about apheresis is it is very, very good data. It's observational because there's no way to double blind an apheresis study, at least if you have any ethics. Sure. Um, you're, yeah, it could be a little, a little, yeah, little squirrely so for an IRB on that one. But you're a rare institution yeah. that would go for that. Um, but it, it did, you know, observational studies show that re- 
repeated cardiac events were lowered substantially, uh, actually in the range of 70% mm. in people who are getting apheresis regularly. I think in Germany, they did it every week, which uh, would dominate your mm-hmm. life. So I, I, I did it for every, every two weeks for about a year and a half. And even that was getting kind of to me a bit. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, basically a lost day and um, uh, it was a lot. So I've done it every third week uh, recent, more recently. And so you're you're doing that any further no, complications no, no health wise? Everything's been fine. Um, Are you tracking anything else other than just the LPA levels? Uh, any inflammatory have, markers or that. other assessment of your coronary anatomy? That, I think you know. I think the whole discussion of the inflammatory markers and LPA is a, is a is a big issue. I think uh, that will probably enter into how and who should be treated for for LPA. How about your carotids? Yeah, have you had those looked at? I get um, it checked every six months. So I've got a, uh, about a 60 to 70% right carotid lesion. It's been completely stable since 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, my current regimen, I'm actually changing it. Sam and I talked to a couple of weeks ago, and I've decided to, I've started Repatha, uh, the PCSK9 inhibitor. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of thinking if that achieves what it has in the first two um numbers that I've checked since I've been on it, I may opt out of apheresis because it's, it's actually lowered my, I've been lucky. I'm kind of one of the people who it suppressed my LP label by about 35%. And which I think on average is probably what I'm getting out of apheresis. So it's a thought. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The PCSK9 inhibitors are really the first class that have some consistent efficacy against LPA and to the point you're making, the studies are showing, you know, somewhere between a 20 and 35% reduction in LPA in, in folks in your situation. And, of course, really, really nice reductions of LDL up to 60%. So that is, is truly uh, a breakthrough in terms of treating this, this lipidemia. But uh, 30% is not nearly what we're seeing with some of the newer drugs that we'll, right. we'll talk about momentarily. But uh, yeah, had, had just a, a couple other quick questions to the, to the point. Uh, on apheresis, um, was there any concern about this fluctuation of the LPA level? Some people have talked about that. Um, is it more important to be consistently low or just um, uh, preventing your body from being exposed to high levels uh, intermittently is, is as good? Any thoughts you on know, that? I, I, or no discussion, no on discussion. That? I don't know if there's any answers to that question. I mean, it's a good question, but I think the I think the general idea is the, the lower, the, the better, and you'd like to see it continuously low, which, uh, and, and, you know, not, not have to be re-intervening every couple of weeks to get it down. Um, I can only guess what the, if it's just a linear increase between visits or not, but, um, but as I said, I think probably in my case, I'd usually start at 120, 130 and finish at 30. And so, you know, probably mm-hmm. the mean, just if I if I was thinking of it linear, the mean LP delay level would be about seventy. I think the average around eighty. Um, and what was your LDL? My LDL has always been because I've been pretty point. high dose statins. Uh, my LDL baseline is about fifty five, and then it would go down to about eleven at the end of an apheresis treatment. Mm. Yeah, and apheresis can be used for familial hypercholesterolemia also. So that just um, LDL problems without the LPA problem, but. A lot of people actually have both LDL and LPA problems, and apheresis may be an attractive yeah. option for those folks. So I'm gonna, I'm just gonna throw one thing out there, and then we'll take a quick break. But 
you know, when we talk about these different therapies, they have different mechanisms. So we, we just talked about apheresis, which is basically a filtering mechanism. Yeah. That's been around for a while. That, um, I was first exposed to that actually as a cardiology fellow. Uh, during my cardiology fellowship in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, we had a program where apheresis was done for severe lipid problems. And as I mentioned, there wasn't great buy-in amongst <laughs> the cardiologists yeah. at that time. And it was actually done at the Rogerson Institute of Cornell by the nephrologists. So literally, we had cardiologists having to refer to nephrologists to get treatment of this problem back in that time period. But probably that was the only thing that was effective. Other modalities have not uh, panned out particularly well. We thought that niacin may have some nice effects on LPA, but unfortunately, all the, the clinical trials with niacin really just didn't pan out particularly well for for patients in terms of reducing uh, a- adverse outcomes. So that kind of fell out, out of favor. But then the PCSK9 drugs and the, the two that are, are uh, the two antibodies that are on the market are Prolywent and Repath, as you mentioned. And th- what they do is they uh, lower LDL tremendously by upregulating the effects of the LDL receptor so that the LDL receptor can remove these bad lipoproteins from the circulation. The thought uh, prior to the Repatha data, quite frankly, was that the LDL receptor did not work at all to remove lipoprotein little a. And to sort of remind the audience, lipoprotein little a is basically an LDL molecule that has some extra protein components that make it, um, make it a molecule that the LDL receptor cannot remove from the circulation. Therefore, it just hangs around and causes havoc and, and, and potentially inflammation. But interestingly, with Repatha and Prolywent, the antibodies, we're seeing that when you got the LDL down far enough, then the affinity for the LDL receptor may get to a point where the LDL receptor can actually move some, remove some LPA. Yeah. So, so that was interesting. And uh, maybe, maybe the mechanism that's uh, operating in your case. But again, unfortunately, that's still only about a 30% reduction. And uh, most people in your situation need way more than that. Uh, just in fairness, uh, in glycerin, which is another drug, small interfering RNA that also uh, uses a PCSK9 mechanism, uh, is also uh, effective against LPA. Maybe not quite as much as the antibodies, but again, they haven't really been compared face head to head. So I won't speculate on that. But bottom line is that we have something out there that does have some effect on LPA, but not nearly as much as what we think the next generation will hold. So with that thought, we're going to take a quick break. Thank you for listening to Med Evidence, the truth behind the data. Please hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on our weekly releases.